as I said, we've um, got a, st- a story, uh, uh, what I hope would be a really encouraging story for you to hear the, this morning, and uh, we'll dive into that in, in just a moment. And um, I just wanted to kick us off. I was just thinking, um, you know, like I said earlier, uh, Father's Day can have a bunch of different thoughts or uh, emotions for people, depending on your experience. And I hope the story that you're, you hear this morning will help, like we sang before, lift your eyes, you know, that... Um, <sighs> You know, in our church family, there's such a breadth of experiences, especially around parenting and people's experience as a child. And so, you know, I, I take great hope that when we gather, that the one thing that can unify us, that can uh, see us find purpose and meaning in our life is the love of God and the plan that God has for us. Because, you know, how, how, you know, how ordinary are we at kind of fixing ourselves? We just can't. We need God to do that. And so I hope today is an encouragement encouraging um, day for you, especially if it's kind of a bit of a bit of a challenging day. I was listening to a couple of friends chat the other day and they were just saying how, you know, um, they asked what I was doing for fathers. They said, oh, well, my family's away at something and I'm going to church and, you know, we were talking about that. And so one of them just made the comment like how, and I hear it a little bit and maybe you do too, have a little bit, you know, outdated the Bible is. Like, what would the Bible ever have to say that is relevant to us today? And I just listened and, you know, tried to understand where they were coming from. And But inside, I was just like, oh man, I find that the opposite of my experience. I feel like I read Scripture, I read the Bible, and it comes alive because it's God in His wisdom just speaks into our circumstance. So speaks into our lives, like speaks into us as parents. And today, you know, we'd celebrate dads and say it speaks into the roles of a dads in our, in our community, in your family. And uh, this is the way that, you know, Paul puts it in Colossians. And he's, I know he's talking to the broader church, but I think we could apply it especially today to dads. And so if I insert the word dad in here, you know, he's speaking to all of us, okay? Um, and this is what Paul says. And I just find, find it so encouraging about, you know, what does God see the role of dads and parents in our society, in our in our church family, in our biological family. Paul writes this. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Dads, put on kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I'll put in here the words dads again. Dads, remember the Lord forgave you so you should forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that can only come from Christ rule in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And I read that and I think, oh, in an age where sometimes our society can hold up like the role of dad as a bit of a buffoon or clumsily, you know, trying to do the best of, best, make the best of things that, you know, God, God gives us a really holy calling as dads. And whether that's biological or you, you, know, you choose to play that role like we were kind of patting Ross on the back before, like this is something we can all choose to do. And so with that heart, um, I want to invite um, Earn to come up. Would you put your hands together for Earn here? There you go. Um, okay, I'm supposed to talk with this. 
closer to my mouth and my COVID sensitivities are making me nervous. <laughs> That's all right. For a medical doctor who's spent the last however many years under a mask, you've been let loose, mate. It's good. Okay. You're well, here. You see yeah. my face yeah. now. <laughs> there you go. Like I said, um, some people might be going, who's this chap? Some people might know you as Ern. Some people are like, oh, that's Dr. Ern. So why don't you tell um, everyone a bit about a bit about yourself, mate? Um, all right. Um, I'm Ern. Um, some people try Ernie, but not really. So uh, Ern's fine. Um, I'm dad to Chloe and Naomi and Michelle, uh, my wife. <laughs> My biggest fans. Um, um, we've been in Geelong for the last 15 years, and you might see me sometimes up here playing guitar, um, which is my security blanket. Um, and now I get a mic. That's good. That's good. Hey, um, as we said, today we celebrate Father's Day, and your your experience of family is, I was going to say slightly, but it's probably maybe majorly different to a lot of others, other people. Would you be able to just help paint a picture for people of... Um, you know, a bit about your childhood, perhaps. Um, it's going to be a long story. So um, so I grew up in Singapore as an only child to mum and dad. And that's how I thought I was normal. Uh, because in Singapore, you have this two-child policy. And I thought my parents decided just to have one kid. Um, when I was 10, my parents split up. And I thought, okay, I'll just be the one kid of my mum. And that was fine and dandy. And then at 12 years old, my mom said, let's go up to Malaysia and visit your relatives, which is something that we did every school holidays because my mom's a school teacher. And every school holidays, we'll pack our things, go and spend a week in Malaysia and spend time with her extended family. She has um, 10 brothers and sisters. So that's what happened in those days. Um, so went from 10 to 1. That's a big jump. Yeah. So, um, so when we went up to Malaysia that that day when I was twelve, uh, we went to the family business, which was a fish market, and she brought me to my uncle and my aunt and said, "That's your mom. That's your dad. I'm really your aunt. Let's go home." And that was it. So that was a kind of like a bombshell for a twelve-year-old, and. At that age and in that culture in Singapore, it was something that you expect uh, as a matter of fact thing. You just heard the news and you moved on with your life. So just to go over that again, so the, what you, who you called mum and dad were actually your auntie and uncle and your biological mum and dad were the ones that you called auntie and uncle. Yeah, it's a bit of a mind-blowing moment because after that I was expected to refer to my Malaysian mum and dad as mum and dad and then my mum and dad in Singapore as my uncle and auntie. And it was a bit confusing because I felt the loyalties to my mum and I didn't want her to feel bad. So it was always mum and uh, uncle and auntie. <laughs> and yeah, so it was a bit confusing then. Mm. And you were saying, you know, such a such an incredible thing for a 12 year old to try and wrap their head around and you know just to fast forward a little bit to you know you you're then um graduating med school and you're um you go to visit your dad who was ill and um your comment to me was like you know even um just kind of a, a not a lack of emotion but trying to process that would you be able to speak to you know where you saw him unwell a few years later mm. so um i think over the years the connection with my biological mum and dad was on and off because I lived in Singapore with my 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 mum and they lived in Malaysia and it was hard to get there. 
So um, over the years, we found out that my, my dad had cancer and he had been treated, he had recovered. And when I was an intern or uh, medical officer, we t- were told that he was unwell in hospital and dying. So we went up one weekend to see him in his hospital bed and um, we said our goodbyes and had to get back to Singapore to get to work. So when we got to Singapore, passing through the airport, one of my uncles uh, passed by and said, oh, I'm on the way up to Malaysia because your dad just died. And it was just a matter of fact thing for me. It wasn't, oh, my dad's passed away. And it was a very matter of fact moment again. So no emotion attached at the time. We'll come back to that in a little while, which, you know, in hindsight is a really significant trauma for a 12-year-old to experience, you know. But, you know, you many people and people here um, live with the absence of a, of a dad or a parent figure or the relationship can be quite dis- dysfunctional. Um, and there's often a sense of, um, you know, longing of, you know, wholeness that, a wholeness that wasn't there but people so desire like um would you be able to speak to that a bit please like just your experience of that yeah i don't think i grew up thinking that oh i didn't have a dad but i saw my mum as mum and dad because she was my parent role model and i think over the years um oh what i didn't say was that although i found out that i had mum and dad in Malaysia, I also have uh, eight brothers and sisters who I thought were my uh, cousins. So I grew up thinking they were my cousins. They tried to tell me when I was growing up, we are really your brothers and your sisters. And I, being the little kid, thought, ah, rubbish. So anyway, uh, we've got three of them and their spouses right here today because Michelle decided to spring me a surprise and got them to come over from Melbourne. Um, so long answer to your question is, uh, I think the extended family became my role models for for fatherhood and parenthood. Mm. And I think um, when we moved to Australia, uh, we saw how um, my brothers and sisters parented their kids and we took life lessons from them. Mm. Mm. When we caught up the other day, you had this amazing line where you just said, you know, through all of that, and maybe you could speak to this where, you know, this, like nothing was as certain as God in my life. Okay, so I think when we are talking the other day, Jono, uh, we talked about how how the the fatherhood role model for me was never one person, and um, the most constant father role model was uh, God, the Father. Because no matter how far I I veered from my journey of faith, um, God was the the anchor, the the sure foundation. And I think I was talking to Jono the other day that uh, when I was growing up, there was I was involved in this group called the Boys Brigade, something like the Scouts, and their motto was sure and steadfast. And there's always this picture of an anchor uh, with the Boys Brigade, and that's how I saw God as the anchor in my life. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think we've got a passage here from um, uh, Hebrews where it says... Um, Hebrew, we might have it up here on the screen. Hebrews 6, like, um, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because, because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. I love that. 
And so would you be able to describe a little bit more like your relationship with God and maybe what that was like through those times of absence and, and, and longing there, that certainty that God provided you? So growing up again in Singapore where uh, parenthood was expressed a bit differently, um, I think how parents... Uh, in in my time, <laughs> what parent was to be the prov- the provider and the security and and set you up for life. I think the the touchy feely hugging and and expressing l- touch as a love language was wasn't really happening. Um, so I grew up in that sort of environment. I think um, my mom felt that going to church to grow up was a good idea. So when I was six years old, she said, "Oh." let's go to church. And she brought me to church and she went home. <laughs> and I was there in church, growing up to church, not really having um, an idea of what God is like in a family context. Um, but as I grew up in church, um, God became real to me when I was about 15. And then um, Christ became my, well, I gave my life to Christ. And that's when a relationship with God became more personal. And then that's when um, God became a constant, and no matter where I went in my journey, sometimes I was further from the constant, and sometimes I was closer to the constant, but he was there, um, and he was my role model. He is my role model. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Like I think we can all identify with that, how sometimes we wander and just go our own direction, and it's not until we look back we see how constant and how wonderful God has been, that he has been present all the way through and, um, you know, be, being there for us. We've got a photo here of um, a um, – I think it's in a restaurant with um, – if we can show that here. Someone's hot. There we go. Looks all right, doesn't it? There you go. Do you want to tell us a bit about um, this photo? Because it's actually quite an important photo for you and your family, hey? Because I'm Asian, I can say this. All Asians look alike, but that's not me. Uh, <laughs> um, and that, that, that's my oldest brother. He's allowed to say, you're not allowed to laugh. <laughs> so that's my oldest brother. He's uh, 20 years older. Uh, and that's my biological mum. This was taken about, what, 10 years ago when everyone was much younger. Um, when we moved to Australia, 2010, uh, my oldest brother sent an email out to the rest of us saying that he had been diagnosed with uh, a blood cancer, which was similar to what my, my dad had. And he was um, trying, to find, trying to get our agreement to get our, our blood types tested because he would have been eligible for a stem cell transplant. So um, the nine of us, we went to our doctors, had our test done, and um, he got the news really slowly that each one of us didn't match, didn't match, didn't match. And out of the nine of us, I was the only one who matched. So um, two years later, we had a call from Sydney to say, okay, it's time for the stem cell transplant. And uh, we went through the process, did the injections, uh, went up to Sydney, had the stem cell harvest. Transplant was done, and uh, every year he sends me a picture of him having a seafood meal, which I can't find because it's somewhere on my phone, at, on the anniversary of the transplant. And um, each year I get reminded that maybe that's the purpose for me to be around because um, when I was... How I was made <laughs> to be given away to my aunt um, was in that, again, in Malaysian culture, the, the grandparent was the patriarch or the matriarch. So my grandmother 
told my dad to say that your sister can't have a kid, go make one for her. And that was going to be my brother number eight. But when number eight was born, um, they decided not to give him away. And they got commanded again, make another one. <laughs> and, and so there was uh, made to be given away, not knowing my purpose. And then um, 40 years later, I think, having my stem cells match my oldest brother was a reality. And I thought, oh, okay, that's one of my purposes. Maybe there's more. You mentioned the other day, I think the language you used was, um, you know, it reaffirmed to you that, you know, there's God often has plans that we don't understand. I think every step of our journey, we have um, encounters with people that um, part of their journey that we don't know how we play a part of in their lives. Um, and we see that fruition further down the road. So I think um, the plans that God for us have for, for me and for us, we may not understand what they are at that point is happening. But down the road, things get unveiled and you have an aha moment that, wow, I, I had a part in, it, in that person's life journey. That's good. Hey, um, many of us, uh, many people would feel really blessed to be born into the family they have and, and the dad that they were, you know, that they grew up with. Um, you, 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 that was absence for you, like you mentioned. Um, you go on and you've got two girls of your own. Um, who, who did you and who do you look to as a, as a, like, dad role model in your life? Okay, the kids made me say this. Um, you can see um, I am your father. <laughs> um, so that's Darth Vader, and they wanted me to say Darth Vader is my role model. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, maybe in the in the way that he was so relentless pursuing Luke, my son. Um, I, 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 I guess that's how God pursues us. But that's beside the point. <laughs> I, I I think the role models I had for for fatherhood was. Um, all the family members that came around me uh, when I was growing up. Um, I think without a family, there is no father. Um, I remember that when I was uh, 18-year-old, my brother, who's not here, he is... Where is he now? He's in New Zealand. I can't keep track of where they all go. Uh, he showed up in Singapore and taught me how to play guitar, hence me playing guitar now. Um, and I think Shane, my, my brother who's sitting there videoing, um, he's been a role model as a father of three adult kids. And I see him bringing up his kids. And I think, well, that's how I want to bring up my kids. And there's Huat, my sister, and Wen Long, my other sister, who have been um, parents in their own way to their kids. And I see how their kids, who are my nephews and nieces, grow up. And I think, I think I want my kids to be like that. And yeah. That's good. Just slide your chair forward oh, back sorry. here so other people over here can see. There you <laughs> go. Um, and you also said the same is true about church, where you're like, you're not above beg, borrowing, and stealing, like the good stuff that you see in other people as well. Yeah, I think, um, I think I'm in a, a bit of a privileged position where I see people in church, in church, and sometimes as patients. Sorry, I can't say who you are, but you know who you are. And I see how you model fatherhood and, and husbandhood and, and parenthood. And I think that's the father I want to be. That's the parent I want to be. And I pick out the, the great things that I see in people I relate with. 
I think that's a real encouragement as a church family that uh, it could sound a little scary if I say like someone's always watching, but someone often is watching. Like, you know, that um, on... on um, on Thursday, we farewelled and said thanks for the life of John Hartwick, who was a, a member of our congregation for many, many years. And one thing we highlighted was John's faithfulness. Like, he, he was just here. He would keep showing up. And there's something, I think, that really brings a real sense of backbone and strength for those seasons in life that we all experience when we're maybe wavering in our faith, maybe life is just a little more challenging. We show up to church and there's a great strength that comes from um, just other people that are there that choose to be there and that we you know yeah like I I see the way you're living your life and I want to copy I want to take some elements of that because like Paul says like you know follow follow me as I follow Jesus you know we can learn something and give something to each other really special in that way um uh, as dads, I think, you know, we all struggle at times and we make some mistakes or just try our best, you know. Um, any f- parenting fails for you that come to mind that you can encourage us with this morning? This is a, par- this is a fatherhood and doctoring fail. So Michelle te- reminds me of my fallibility very often. So um, when, when Naomi was born, she also consented to this story. Michelle said, there's something wrong with your daughter. Her eyes are really small. And I said, she's Asian. (laughs) I've got small eyes. There's nothing wrong with her. Then Michelle said, there's something really wrong. I'm going to bring her to a real doctor. (laughs) So two months later, they brought her to a real doctor. And yes, I was wrong. And there was something that needed to be done. And yeah. So I, I understand on Monday that we get a flurry of transfer requests to move patients away because... <laughs> I love it. Hey, um, uh, for dads who are here um, today or listening online, I should say welcome to those. I, I forgot to say that. Those of you that are joining us via the podcast, you know. Um, for dads who are hearing you speak, what, what, were your, what would your encouragement to dads be especially? And as we've talked about, that's probably more broadly an encouragement to all of us because we're all going to influence people in some way or another. But particularly today, what would your encouragement to dads be? Um, we all make mistakes, um, but I think one mistake doesn't make you a bad father. I think um, we learn from the things that we don't do right and uh, we try to do better the next time. I think being a reflective person, a dad, a husband, in our growth, um, in the context of our relationship with God is really important. I think when we've done something that isn't the best, uh, we, we turn our eyes to Jesus and we find that anchor again and look to God as a role model for our journey and get back on track again. You sprung that on me, Jono. Oh, no, it was in our notes. We talked about this. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned too the other day, like that level of expectation where you, um, I think you were talking about someone coming and doing some kitchen cabinetry at your home and you're like, oh, there's, you know, there's a level of expertise that we, we see in other people but sometimes we can put that on ourselves where, you know, yeah, you know, uh, call the plumber for the plumbing stuff and the cabinet maker for the cabinet making stuff. Do you want to just expand on that a little bit? I think there's no uh, textbook on being a father. Um, there's no there's, there's textbooks to be a doctor. There's a textbook to be a plumber and an electrician. Um, and there's guides. Well, I think a lot of things is apprenticeship. 
and sometimes being a father is being an apprentice and finding the right master would be really important and having um, that master lead and guide you through that journey is really important and that master can be uh, an earthly role model or can be a godly role model. You've shared some pretty weighty things and, you know, the absence of, um, I guess, the, well, the, the trauma and the, the changes around in, in your childhood. And, you know, um, for those people that are experiencing um, a complex issue in their life right now, it probably most likely won't be what you've described, but be something that brings lots of thoughts and emotions to the surface and um, lots of processing involved. What, what would your encouragement or what would you say to those people um, who are in that season now who are just like, oh, things don't seem to make sense or this change has been so dramatic for me? I think connection with uh, a group of people who you consider your family is important. Um, I think, like I said earlier, in today's context, um, we talk about fatherhood, but I think fatherhood, fathers don't happen unless there's families. And for a lot of us, families may not just be the biological families that we grew up in, but can be the, the, the friends and, and groups that, that, I guess, embrace us. I think if you're going through any sort of trauma or difficulties, um, build up that, that tribe and support group around you that can walk with you through that journey. And I think sometimes when I see my patients, I think you need Jesus, you need a church family, you need a, a group of people around you who can walk life with you. And I can't say that, but I think that. I was listening to someone um, chat the other day um, in a, a non-Christian environment and they were, they were talking about how um, there was a, a bunch of young adults that so impressed them because they'd vol- gone out and volunteered for like a one-off thing where they'd given like three hours or something like that and I couldn't help but think about my own experience of church where, you know, there is something so sometimes intangible but so valuable where my mind just went to the, you know, young adults, the... 18-year-old or the early 20-somethings in the life of our church where I'm like, oh, man, you're celebrating someone going volunteering for three hours as a one-off. Like, it's like I know young people in the life of our church who just do that each and every week. Like, you know, they're, that just how special that is to be part of a church family where um, we get to be part of modelling something of what it means to serve God and to love him. And so, um, you know, is there anything else you would like to add as we wrap up? Now's your chance. You can maybe throw Michelle back under the bus or something. I think when Jono got to that, my mind just went blank and I'm done. I've got nothing else to say. So, no, thanks, John. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna We're going to end it there then. Well, um, would you be happy to pray for us as we wrap up? Would that be okay? Okay. That's uh, good. Hang on. Why don't we all stand up and we can – we'll come down here and um, why don't we just take a moment – um, before and praise to still our heart and um, it can feel like a really practical day as we you know our whole society is, um, kind of celebrates and acknowledges you know different different moments in life and today we celebrate Father's Day but um, as a Christian community we come around with something um, bigger and more important in mind and that's that's um, you know our Father God and and so we've got something so much richer to, to call on than the, what the world has to offer and so Why don't we just be still for a moment and then you can pray for us and that'd be great. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for 
drawing us here today for whatever reason, um, whether it's just to acknowledge our fathers, to spend time with your family, to spend time with you. But Lord, we can see how everything that's happened today just turns our eyes back to you. Um, not just because it's Father's Day, but because um, you are our sure foundation where um, our lives uh, point towards. Lord, we pray for the fathers in our midst that as we continue this journey as the, the role models, we we turn to you, Lord, as our our guide. Um, let us be reflective in our journey so that uh, we we make. We take steps to be even better parents to our kids, no matter how old or how how independent they get. Pray for the families where uh, the father figure is a bit vague. Um, we pray that uh, you surround them with people they can um, consider their fathers and their role models. Pray for those who have lost fathers in the last 12 months, and this might be the first Father's Day without a father. We, we, we know how hard it is. We'll never be in that position, Lord, but um, you know their hearts, and we pray that you give them that comfort that um, their fathers are right where they should be in your arms. As we go today, Lord, we pray that um, we not just remember the fathers, we remember the families, uh, the grandparents, the mothers, everyone who is a parent figure, that uh, you continue to lead and guide each and every one of us um, in our journeys together as we uh, build a community of faith together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.